Hi everyone, Martin Tyler here. There's no better place to catch up with all the news from Liga and French football than the official Liga podcast. Here's Neymar now. Cavani is there. Balotelli on the turn. Quality. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike! An absolute beauty for Florian Tovar. Kylian Mbappe wraps it up. Bonjour et bienvenue. Welcome to Paris, everybody. Welcome to Le Bourgeois podcast. The sun is shining and uh, we've got a fantastic pod coming up for you. Lille are closing in on the Champions League after taking a point at Lyon on Sunday. Saint-Étienne are heaping the pressure on their neighbours from the Rhone Valley. Marseille's Champions Project is in tatters and is Jose Mourinho eyeing Thomas Tuchel's job. They are among the topics we will discuss in the next 45 minutes with me in this magnificent uh, apartment that we've converted into a studio. Thanks, Robbie. Robbie Thompson is our literal host today. Hello, everyone. Yes, pleasure to be here. Welcome. Welcome to the, the, the front room. We've and, got... Uh, for May, isn't it terribly cold? It's, it's freezing. You know what? I planted... Uh, my tomato plants and some cucumbers the other day Too and, early, and, Matt. and they're dying no but this is may it's, it's supposed to be all right we've got an australian so robbie thompson who's not used to this cold weather in may david crossan is with us as well good morning matt yeah i, I watched cricket in ireland in eight degree temperatures on friday so this uh, feels positively balmy to me david has uh, developed these northern irish roots ever since uh, brexit has kicked in and he's got this uh, passport that allows him to travel uh, uh, even in the post-Brexit era, apparently. I'm very jealous of that. Armel Tangi has some uh, Welsh roots. That's not going to help him at Brexit, but uh, we're, we're, we're delighted to have you, Armel. Oh, that's good to know. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Armel has no excuse about being tired because he was given uh, a day off yesterday. Oh, when? I filled in for Fresh him on highlights, so I'm, I'm very up with everything. And I watched the game last night. Uh, we will talk about Lille against... Lyon, Lyon against Lille it was. Just to remind you, we've got some questions uh, coming up, plenty of, of interest being sparked, I'm pleased to say. If you do have uh, any queries, um, send them in. We've got an email address, league1podcast at gmail.com, L-I-G-U, one podcast at gmail.com. So the, um, There's an E on the end of league, Matt. L-I-G-U-E, one, one podcast at gmail.com thank Can't you get it wrong now <laughs> Look, it's a monday morning and it was a late night last night but it was a good game i enjoyed leon against Lille. it finished 2-2 leon going ahead through martin terrier it was uh, a night of x's because martin terrier scored against his former team and then loic remy equalized for Lille. Lille then took the lead with sumare scoring his first ever league on goal and uh, you were thinking oh oh Lyon in big trouble. They're going to lose their place in the top three because Saint-Étienne had moved above them on goal difference. But Lyon hit back. They uh, they grabbed an equaliser through Leo Dubois. And uh, we'll, hear, we'll, we'll just quickly hear the best moments of that game. Robbie Thompson is your commentator. Now Pepe. With the ball in. Oh, it's in! Sumare has scored. It looked like a handball by Leo Dubois. But Lille played on when everyone seemed to stop. And Bubakari Sumare has scored his first ever league and goal. And it might be the one that sends Lille into the Champions League. Here's Depay. Memphis Depay, how they'd love a little bit of Depay magic. Fekir, oh, great save. Mignon, oh, and how did that stay out? Moussa Dembele's first touch, and Leo Dubois has scored. And we're all square again. Leon two, Lille two, game on. Robbie, it was uh, it was an interesting game. Probably not uh, an absolute classic, but uh, uh, both teams showed their qualities in in moments, Bruno Genesio, the Leon coach, um, and Anthony Lopez, the goalkeeper, both said the same thing. They said this game kind of sums up our season. Defensive mistakes, some quality going forward. Would you would you agree with that? And should Leon be happy at least that they got a point from the game? 
No, Leon needed all three points. Lille, I think, are definitely the happier side coming out of out of that. They had a six-point lead over Leon in the standings. They still have a six-point lead over Leon in that race for second place. I think race for second place is almost finished now. We have a race for third place now. I think first and second have been decided. Basically, Lille came into this game away to Leon, where Leon produced the results at home in big games. They were without their two first-choice central midfielders, Thiago Mendes, suspended Cheka out injured as well without their captain, Samoro, the central defender, who's also missing through injury. They only needed a draw. They were trailing early through that Martin Terrier goal. They were gifted two goals back into the game by Leon. So I think Lille can be very happy with, in the end with how the whole evening panned out for them. Leon, big disappointment. They needed three points. It was, it was now or never. That was last chance saloon for Leon. And as has been their season, they didn't do it. Terrible defensive mistakes from from Leon. Jason Denayer totally miscuing well, across for the first. Brain Leo Dubois not not dealing with Pepe's free kick for the second. Yeah, I'm gonna. I know our executive producer Ian has a little competition where he looks out for us using French words Did or I just do Anglo anglicizing French expressions. I'm just gonna say it in French. I think Leon lacked lucidité, and <laughs> lucid means something a bit different in French than mm. it does in English, despite the Latin roots. Basically, what I think when you play against Lille, you're focused so much on their fast attackers that that intense concentration can lead you to make errors in situations when you would normally not ask yourself any questions at all, which I think is what happened to Denier and Dubois, that when you're focused that intensely for so long, you are more prone to error. And Lyon, unfortunately for them, have made too many defensive errors this season, which is one of the reasons they find themselves in this situation now where they're trying to hold off Saint-Étienne for but, that third but spot. But their mistakes, is, and I, I agree with you, Dave, but their, their mistakes weren't like a Leandro Paredes mistake against Montpellier where he just seems to just stop playing and there's a player comes from behind him and steals the ball. This was, they were there doing their job. They could see the ball coming there and they just didn't react. I yeah. mean, Denier, the cross coming in, yes, it could have taken a touch before. Dubois, the free kick. What was he thinking? They, he they, handled they the ball like as well, Dubois. If, Leon if to me, yeah. No, Sumari hadn't they, scored. It was a penalty. They look like a team that is waiting for the season to end. I mean, in terms well, of lucidity. They're not the only one, by all accounts. But, <laughs> but minute, they've still got something to play for. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm about 10 minutes into the pod, I start to lose my lucidity, but I've still got it at, <laughs> at, at the moment. So I'm going to ask Armel a pertinent question. Please uh, do. Leon are having a big wobble. It would be a disaster if they, you know, they're one point above Saint-Étienne. We'll come on to them in a minute. They're, they're in sensational form. These are, these are tense, tense times and potential disaster if they finish fourth. Yeah, that would be a, a, big, a big X at the end of their season, shall we say. A, a big negative point. And as you know, I, I commentated them last week at Bordeaux where I think they were very lucky to get the result. I was... Uh, watching Spike Lee films last night, so I didn't see last night's game. But from what you guys say, and having seen the, the two-all result, it, you do think that Leon, well, not qualifying for the Champions League, first of all, would be dreadful for them. Finishing outside of the top three for a club that's used to being, well, first at the early 2000s since then, has always been in second or third place. I don't see why it'd be more of a tragedy from a Marseille perspective to finish outside the top three than it would be from a Lyon perspective. And Saint-Étienne are finding form at the right point, so Lyon are in trouble. I was waiting for the Spike Lee references there, Armel. I thought you were going Sorry. to say they need to yeah. do the right thing, yeah. maybe make it <laughs> the summer of jump. Sam bringing Leon Sam Allardyce. Can't jump. You watched several <laughs> Spike Lee films, did you? Uh, no, just the one. Uh, just the one. Yeah. Was it okay? It was better than Leon Lee, was it? I, I can't understand they always doing that on a Sunday night. <laughs> they always seem to have a sad endings, but... Anyway, Leon, Leon matches or Spike Lee films. There we are, references. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But th this More is where all the Leon it doesn't seem so much at the moment as as how much you have to gain, as how much you have to lose in this European race. Perhaps Saint Etienne in this situation are in the best place because they have everything to win. Nobody really expected them to have this season they're having. Certainly, I think that goes for Lille, but Lille have uh, above and beyond this debate now. But of those three sides, I think Montpellier are out of the running for 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 a chance at fourth place and behind them Nice as well. But those three sides, Lyon, Saint-Étienne and Marseille, two of them have an awful lot to lose and one of them has everything to gain in Saint-Étienne and maybe that will be the key to this. Maybe if Saint-Étienne ride this wave, 
It could all I happen. I think for Montpellier them. and Marseille will be writing Lecture Recommande, which are registered post to Paris Saint Germain, complaining, asking why they didn't win both domestic cup competitions so that fifth and sixth Absolutely. aren't European yeah. finishers. Well, can I if you want say... anything to get done in France, you've got to send a Lecture Recommande. So yeah, that's that's what they've got to do. <laughs> Even if it's just like an invitation to the podcast, get it Recommande. Exactly. So that, so you, that know, you know it arrived. Yeah, basically. That's, that's, you know yeah. you're, people know you're serious when, it, when it's Recommande. You, you mentioned. You mentioned so Montpellier in fifth, Marseille in uh, in sixth. Only the top four get into Europe. Top three into the Champions League. Fourth in. I into wrote the Mont- Europa Montpellier a bit off a bit early there, by the way. This they're, weekend, right, guys, no. they're, they're, they're above. Yes, how are Lille doing, Robbie? They're above Marseille at the moment. <laughs> this weekend, um, those teams have got a big, big role to play. Marseille are playing host to Lyon, and uh, even if Marseille are, are going to struggle to get into Europe, they would love to deny Lyon a. Uh, uh, a Champions League place. Saint-Étienne are playing host to Montpellier. So, you know, a lot is going to be riding on on, on this coming weekend. Just uh, a quick word about, about Lille before we, before we move on. Um, Robbie has been saying for weeks now that they're going to crumble and Lyon are going to, are going to move above them. And you know what? I think... No, I said it weeks ago. I think I've been Le- keeping very quiet and discreet about it in recent I weeks. Think so let's hear you I repeated then. it once. <laughs> I think Lille have taken motivation, perhaps not from Robbie, but from a lot of people in Lyon saying, oh, just wait until week 35 when we play host to Lille and then we'll show them who's boss and we'll finish second. There was this kind of misplaced assurance, I think. And judging by you know, what I've heard from certain Lille players... And Lille supporters in the radio phone-ins, they're, they're pretty happy. And they're, so they're, they're, they're 16 points behind PSG. PSG are, are champions, we know that. But they're now six ahead of Lyon. Um, and second means automatic Champions League uh, qualification. You go straight into the group stage. They're, they're, they're pretty much there now, aren't they? Pretty much. That was also very, very ambitious of the Lyon fans to think they would have beaten Lyon because I don't think they've won at Lyon since 2014 against Lille. And... I'd like to suggest there that is that one of the new uh, classic games of Ligue 1 now, Lyon against Lille. We've had three, two well, even back in, in the noughties, Lille were a, a problem side for Lyon, weren't they? When Lyon were champions, there was Rennes and Lille always seemed to cause them It's not a, a classic. We can't, you can't invent classics every, every other year. Classics, you know. Yeah, classic has to be something. Because Marseille, Marseille-Lyon coming up this weekend, that has, you know, mm, they're calling yeah. it the Olympico, that has become a... What about Classic. And on the same lines as what you were saying, Matt, I mean, uh, we talked a, a few weeks ago on the podcast about Marseille fans expected that to be their chance to overhaul Lyon to get into third, even second mm. position when they were on that run of 16 points out of 18. Um, yeah, people were writing Lille off or thinking they were going to have a, a slump at mm. some point that would at least allow the others a chance of, of overtaking them for second. Oh, can I give another try with Saint-Étienne Montpellier? Is that the Jean-Louis Gassico? Jean-Louis Gassico, we're going to, it's not bad. Sounds like not bad. <laughs> we're going to get, we're going to get onto that. I, I was watching yesterday afternoon the Darren Chuletico, which is Arsenal against Brighton, because oh. Darren is one of, one of these guys who, you know, when Arsenal are winning, he's an Arsenal fan. When Brighton are winning, he's a Brighton fan. But He's Welsh you know, we, when the rugby we love comes Darren. on as well. He, he, yeah, yeah, it's true. He does, yeah. He's what? He's Welsh. When the rugby's on, he's when Welsh. He does, he does claim <laughs> Welsh, Welsh heritage yeah. as well. He spent too long in, in France where, you know, people in France, they just kind of... I, I was talking to a Ren fan, by the way. I'll, I'll just get he's not here to defend himself. He's a guy who works at Being Sports. He's, he's a Ren fan and he's, he came in. It's the first time I'd seen him since the cup final and he was like, oh, Matt, can you believe we won the cup? I'm so happy. And, and I said, yeah, what a final. He's, he said, I couldn't believe it. When it was 2-0 to PSG, I switched over to Game of Thrones. And I just said, what? He goes, well, I thought we were going to lose 5-0. I said, yeah, but you're a Ren fan. You're in the yeah, cup final. You can't, you, can't, you can't change channels. The coup de girl is and later. He said, <laughs> he said I, put, I put it back on and, and it was extra time. I couldn't believe it. Listen, we've got, we, we got a, a, a question. Um, by the way, that person is called Florent Martin. Um, if you want to have a go at him, I have got his Twitter handle. <laughs> Name and shame. Goodness me. So Fair I've got a question fans. from Martin Neil. I've got a question Martin. from Neil who has, who has tweeted us. Um, he's, uh, his Twitter handle is at Spuddy1878. And he says, as an Everton fan, we've been linked with uh, quite a few players from Liga, as have a, a lot of clubs, as he, as he mentions. What do you see the futures for Meunier? Tuzar, Depay, and Raphael Liao. So let's, there's a lot of questions there. Mm. Um, but let's talk about the guys in the Lyon game. Tuzar, Depay, Raphael Liao. Can we see okay. leaving, any, of, staying, any leaving, of those guys? Leaving, staying, leaving, staying. 
by the way, Everton had uh, had scouts at the game, at the uh, Leon Lille game on on Sunday. Fellas, out of those three, any any chance of there, any of them going to Everton? Not Rafael Leal. He'll be at Lille next season, and a good thing too because he's a great watch. We want to keep him in Ligue 1. Luca Tuzar. I could see him in an Everton shirt. He might have a "You'll Never Walk Alone" tattoo hanging around somewhere. Tuzar for me has Leon for life stamped on really? his forehead. I think he's but one of those. Maxim Gonlon did as well. Yeah, yeah it's true. True. Is he good? Is he good enough? Dave made a good point a couple of weeks ago. He thinks that Tuzar, you know, oh, he's too slow. Was looking the real, yeah. or was looking potentially excellent two years yeah. ago, but hasn't come on. Mm. No, absolutely. No, I, I think I'll he's stand a solid, by solid midfielder, solid defensive midfielder. But yes, he lacks the. I, I think it's like with all these players when they're nineteen or twenty and they play such mature football, especially in a, a central midfield role, you're hoping that their progression will continue and that they'll turn into outstanding players, but it hasn't happened for me for Tusa. Memphis Depay, because let's face it, he's not going to get a, a move to a Manchester United or, or an equivalent. He's not going to get a top six move, I don't think, in the Premier League. Could mm. he? Possibly. Possibly. I think he's got, he's got the talent. He doesn't necessarily have the runs on the board at the moment, which and he's coming off a, a disappointing season. Perhaps last season, when he... he he finished top scorer for Leon and he scored important goals in big moments. Then he could have ridden that. I don't know. Way. I, I think I think he could be a useful addition to the Liverpool squad as long as he accepts the uh, the way that the the other three are going to be ahead of him and Firmino, Salah, and Mane. But he can slot into any of those positions he'd accept as he's shown at Leon. He's not. He's not suggested. He's the sort of guy who would accept that. No. Guess. <laughs> well, it'll be a test of Jurgen Klopp's man management skills. I'd like to also answer to our listener: How on earth? Can you bring up Leon transfer rumours and not mention Maxwell Cornet? Right, he's <laughs> got the, the, the perennial he, transfer exact, rumor. Every single transfer window, you're linked with Maxwell Cornet. Come on. Maxwell Cornet. Somebody, somebody's going to come in for Maxwell Cornet, no question. A, a Premier League club, mid-table, perhaps. Um, just, it was Germany in January, wasn't it? I the think PSG right-back, listen, the PSG right-back, Thomas Mernier, that's uh, an interesting one. Thomas... I'll say hello because he's a keen listener. He, he, he likes Le Bourgeois podcast. And uh, frankly, he's a very good right back. And I'm not just saying that, Tom, because you're listening. Um, he's fallen out of favour somewhat at, at PSG um, this season. He hasn't played as much as he'd like. He's been linked with Manchester United. He's been linked, linked with Arsenal. Um, these are well, clubs, he, these he are clubs that in need the Belgian a right back. press uh, last week that he hadn't heard anything about any possible contract extension so he he took that as a given that uh, there wouldn't be an extension coming on the table so look I think Tom Mernier by his own admission is uh, looking elsewhere he's got too much personality for Paris Saint-Germain hasn't he Robbie? he's almost got too much personality for modern football I don't think it's just uh, Paris Saint-Germain he has got a good personality yeah, we'll miss his honest appraisals of matches yeah, because exactly. so many people have the, the gueule de bois which, which is actually a hangover Long de bois. Long de bois. Is, is not saying the wooden tongue. Dave's got a girl de bois, um, <laughs> but not a long de bois. Yeah, they talk about a wooden tongue, which means just, you know, you just spout clear batting, Straight batting answers. Yeah, yeah interesting. But uh, Mernier is an interesting guy, but he, he's a good player. And I think he's the sort of guy who would do well in the Premier League because he's absolutely. strong. Mm. He gives absolutely he everything. He runs gets, all day. Gets up and down. Mm. You know, technically he's not Dani Alves. But, he, but yeah, he'll but give it He doesn't, as the French would say, he doesn't have square feet either. Which is, uh, <laughs> a very, a very, pieds carrés. And he can finish. He doesn't. He can, he can finish. finish. He's got an eye for goal. He used to be a striker. Look, Thomas Meunier is, a, is an underrated player. The problem when you play for Paris Saint-Germain is that you're surrounded by Neymar, Mbappe, uh, Verratti, Marquinhos players that are above, above normal. And when you're just a, a very good footballer, well, sometimes yeah, if, if you, you are an English club looking best. at attacking wing backs or right backs from Ligue 1, yeah, I do advise you to go for Meunier rather than Kenny Lala. Well, I like Kenny Lala too. One club, guys. <laughs> one club that has uh, got. You're, you're getting me warmed up for a little coup de girl. One club. Day. I've got a coup, a coup de girl, <laughs> a rant coming up in just a few moments. But before that. We're going to talk about a club that's got a, a right back who gives absolutely everything and has uh, and has played in the Premier League. And Mathieu Debouchy is doing a lot of good at Saint-Étienne. And Saint-Étienne just can't stop winning at the moment. Andy Scott saw their game at Monaco. Kasri still on that far side. Kasri drills it in. Luik Perrault with the header down. Nordan shot and Cabela turns it in. Saint-Étienne have come from behind to lead here. Cabela's cross and there's the header. Arno Nordhardt, brilliantly taken, 
Seydoucy beaten for the third time in this second half and these Saint-Étienne travelling fans are in dreamland. So Saint-Étienne running out 3-2 victors at Monaco. It's now six wins and a draw in their last seven. And uh, Robbie, the, uh, the Saint-Étienne boys absolutely flying at the moment. They are flying and they've got Leon worried as well. Just before we, we get into the Saint-Étienne chat, there's a, a, not a good girl, but... The Lyon community manager sent a, a message out to Saint-Étienne saying, may the 4th be with you on Saturday the 4th of May <laughs> when there are lots of hashtags flying around, may the 4th be with you. And I thought that was actually quite funny saying, here you go, you're, you can have 4th place and keep it on this day when everyone was saying, may the 4th be with you. And all the responses, all the answers to the Twitter were from Lyon fans, delete this, delete this, delete this, you're going to embarrass us, this is going to come back and get you, karma, karma, karma. Well, surely this is what Twitter is for launching these sort of funny little yeah. jibes and, and chambring, as the French, as the the, French, the French actually get that play on words, do they, May the Fourth? Well, I thought it was quite, quite clever, because, quite brilliant. Everyone, even, everyone was like, in all the French were like, oh my God, how embarrassing, how embarrassing. Yeah, they did Star Wars Day at the Paris Derby in the rugby, but that was Sunday, May the 5th. And, and the, thing the, is, the thing is, with you doesn't really say, work. This, is not, this is also not my rant, it's not my good girl, but the, the French, the whole Star Wars thing, the fact that they have to call it Star Wars... And the thing is, well, that, that, Vader, it's not listen, easy listen. to like it when you well, have the, to call it Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> and Darth Vader is he's not called Darth no, Vador. Vador. He's called Dark Vador. Dark Vador. They, they've actually yeah, changed his it's first name. It's very hard name for to French Dark. people to pronounce THs, though, so yeah, but, they've got to do something. Yeah, otherwise, it would be Das. Guys, I, you know. Darth Vader. Darth Vader. There's a guy watching Eric Bristow. <laughs> it's, it, it's terrible, Dave. But we do love the French. And we love it. We're all we're all here watching French football every weekend. And 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 merci merci. We don't we don't call him them. John John Lewis Gasset. Or, or some change, people do Matt. I don't know if you've name. watched. No, but that's a tricky one for us commentators, isn't it? I remember we've had this debate over the years, Matt. Someone like you, you when you can anglicise a French mm. footballer's name, sometimes you do. I the classic I remember you asking me was how do you say Jerome Rotten, and do you say Rotten? Do you say Rotten? Uh, I mean, bah oui, rotten, rotten. When you're commentating, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I often say rotten. Let's talk about Gasset. Okay, Gasset. Jean-Louis Gasset, because you know what? Jean Louis. Jean Louis. Department store. Saint-Étienne. I I have a serious soft spot for Saint-Étienne. I always have done. And before any Lyon supporters uh, get on their high horses. I like Lyon as well, but you know Saint-Étienne, ten times champions. They've got this incredible history. They've been uh, been through all sorts of problems in the '90s, in the early noughties. Galtier passport sted- problems, yeah, relegation <laughs> problems, fake passports, yeah. Galtier steadied the ship. He got them in the top half of the table. He even got them above Lyon in 2014. Once they finished fourth, they could do even better now. They could finish above Lyon and get in the Champions League. The job Gasset has done this. Uh, this coach who wasn't known really as a as a first team coach because he did everything as a as a number two. He was Laurent mm. Blanc's right hand man with France, with Bordeaux, with with PSG. But Dave, what a job, what a job he is doing at, at, at Saint Etienne, and the fans are just so behind, so excited about this team. Uh, when you speak to people involved with French football, they'll tell you what a huge influence Gasset was uh, in those in that coaching tandem with Laurent Blanc that mm. he did the the serious work and and many people. Coaches within the French game that I've spoken to are curious to see how Laurent Blanc will fare when he returns to coaching if Jean-Louis Gasset is not with him. And it would be really interesting if Laurent Blanc does end up getting the Lyon job and Gasset is still at Saint-Étienne, which uh, it looks like he might be because Mm. they're playing so well now. He seems to love that squad. The squad love him. And, you know, they've got players in there and you wonder when you've got an older coach, how will they relate to these young players who are a bit flash, like a, a Remy Cabela, say, who's got those white teeth and the earring and the crazy hair that all modern guy footballers white seem teeth. to have. <laughs> yeah. He had Always his teeth whitened. Yeah, yeah, you got to be, got to be. Um, but Gasset has, has done a terrific job with them and managed to fit Kasri and Cabela into the same mm. team, which was always going to be challenging. Anyone that can put Timothée Kolozizak every week nice correctly spelt on the team sheet <laughs> is a top, top bloke. He's interesting. No. He's, he's, he's very different. He's not, he's not like these managers who are great at, at communicating, at saying brilliant things at, at, at the right time. But he's clearly, he, he's a football man, isn't he? He looks a bit I like a water Matt, rat. This, he's, got, he's got this uh, 
Well, he's a bit harsh on Water Rat, but you know, he's got this kind of funny shaped face. <laughs> Mio Gastor. Is but I think you've hit the he's nail on the head. And, and his baseball he's, cap. Jean-Louis Gasset, for me, is perfect. for. It's just the perfect fit for this Saint-Étienne club. He's, he's a football man, but he's, he's, he's a real human being. And I, and I remember when he signed for Montpellier, he said, I only came to coach at Montpellier because Lulu Nicolas asked me as a friend, and I'm his friend. So I came back to Montpellier where he played his entire career and coached there. Yeah. And it was the same to go to Saint-Étienne with Gislain Printemps. Exactly. Let's not forget the influence of Gislain Printemps exactly. here. And they're two old assistant. guys that just love football and who they know Dave? the history of Saint-Étienne. Tell us who Gislain Printemps is. Well, they worked together at Montpellier. Gislain Printemps has, had been a, a, a number one coach in his own right, um, notably at Bastia. Mm -hmm. And um, Gasset treats him as an equal. He's a friend. He's an equal. And I, I think their partnership has done wonders for Liver. These are guys. These are guys. Sorry, Robbie, that you could imagine sitting next to in a in a tabac, getting your coffee and just sitting there for hours talking about football because you, they they live and breathe football. And they're, they're, the likes of Jean Louis Gasset for me, they're a real antidote to to, to the modern game, the bling bling. Um, and 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 it's it, and it's great to see. And that's and like what Saint Etienne needed at this exactly. time. I think it's a great they fit for Saint Etienne. Let's also in. In not to just say that Jean-Louis Gasset has done incredibly well after taking over from Christophe Galtier. They also have a lot more money this year to spend. They have managed to pay the good salaries for Cabela, for Wabi Kazri as well, to bring Kolodzicak. I think he's on loan, Kolodzicak, at, at, at Saint-Étienne yeah, at the moment. On, but they're On loan from Tigres you know, in Mexico. Yeah, this time they've got the biggest budget in their history. They budgeted for sixth place as they're finished. Mm. They're going to finish above that, so hopefully they'll be able to spend even more next year and they'll have the squad... I, mean, I, I still worry for them if they do finish third. Will they be able to get through those qualifying rounds and make sure there are three clubs in the Champions they, League, which if, all of you us know what? If, in if, football if want? Chelsea, if Chelsea win the Europa League, they won't have to because that's the, that's the right, thing. If, like, like this season. when. But we all know that Arsenal are going Monaco to win the Europa League, so they through. probably will have to, to play a few qualifiers. Sorry if you're listening to this on, on Friday after Arsenal's exit against Valencia. Dave, hmm. will Saint-Étienne... Um, look for some more Newcastle rejects in the, in the summer, having uh, shown in the past they like going and picking players up from St. James's. Uh, they've done well with uh, Cabela and Debushi. Debushi wasn't a, a Newcastle reject. Uh, everyone would have liked him to have stayed when he went to Arsenal, but Cabela was, was useless at Newcastle. Mm. Um, he only scored one goal in the league the whole season that he played there, having scored 14 for Montpellier the previous season. Um, he looked too lightweight for the Premier League. He didn't seem mm. to enjoy his football. I remember in his his first game, I think, was against Aston Villa, and Alan Pardew kept doing this weird grimace, sort of smiling at him, saying, "Try Alan and play Pardew with a, weird. Oh. Try and play with a, a smile on your face, and try and do those tricks that made you made us want to sign you." Cabello himself says he only played at sixty percent of his ability in Newcastle. I think that's an overestimate, but he has been good recently, and he even annoyed John Louis Gasset. I, I said couple of minutes ago I don't see Cabela as being a particularly gassé sort of player no, he holds no. the ball too much he does step overs while he's walking tries to tease the opposition rather than trying to hurt them but against Monaco he he well he caused he sent in the cross that Fodo Balotouré turned in scored a cracker of a goal and then it was a lovely cross for the the Nordan header so he's starting to perform consistently and Gasset says he's hugely motivated and wants to play in the Champions League for Saint-Étienne. Gasset's also been around long enough to know that no matter what your style of play, if you help him win football matches, then you're, you're a welcome addition to his team. A couple of Sunderland rejects in there as well, aren't there? M. Villa and Wabi Kasri doing all right for themselves too. But we won't talk about that, Dave. We'll talk about <laughs> Monaco because they were beaten 3-2 and my goodness me, they are still in serious trouble. Their one position above the uh, the bottom three. They're three points ahead of Caen. Caen are currently 18th and on course for the for the playoff because in France the bottom two go down and 18th plays uh, a playoff against the uh, against a Ligue 2 uh, club. Could they go down? We've got Jardim back at the helm. Things were looking really good uh, when he came in. He, he picked up the likes of uh, Ronnie Lopez back from injury. He had guys like Jelson Martins coming in on loan from Atletico Madrid and people were thinking, okay, they'll finish. They'll finish top half now. But listen, I'm just looking. They haven't won since March the 15th now. That's a run of six matches. And, uh, you know, this is, this is pretty, it's pretty worrying because Caen and even Dijon behind them, they're rallying. Now, I've got a question actually about Monaco from Arman Khan on Twitter at Arman Monaco. Do you think Monaco will survive 
And can they uh, do a miracle despite having poor form and no Subasic and Ben Aglio? Because Subasic picked up a hamstring injury uh, injury yesterday. You can send your questions in by email, by the way, leaguearmpodcast at gmail.com. L-I-G-U-E, league one podcast at gmail.com. Armel, what do you think to, uh, to our man's question? That's a tough one to answer that. Are Monaco going to... That's what you're here for, Armel. Uh, well, <laughs> okay, I'll take it upon myself then. Well, if you look at their remaining fixtures, they're away at Nîmes this coming weekend. That's anyone's guess where that's going to go. Cause... It depends which Nîmes show up, doesn't it? The one that lost well, 5-0 two weeks ago to Lille or the one that won 3-0 on the they're weekend? They're strong at home. Though, yeah, they are, they are good at home. And, well, I'd have to check their calendrier, but I think it's probably... One of their, if the penultimate, if not their final home match of the season, so they'll be wanting to have a party to celebrate staying in in Ligue 1 with their fans after 25 years away, back to Monaco. Anyway, they then host Amiens. That is a huge game for them to try and stay up. Before I know where you're going with this, Armel. <laughs> I've got a sneaking suspicion. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Armel doesn't know. No, no, I don't. <laughs> and on the I'm, I'm then heading to Nice, a derby against Nice. It was no Vieira Henri derby this time, unfortunately for for Matt, who loved that one the first time around. But it's a it's three very tricky fixtures for Monaco, who right now the only person who looks up to the challenge really is Radamel Falcao. They had a brilliant game midweek, as uh, Robbie was ranting and raving about. But they, they need performances. How from... is that possible, Armo? You've got you know Ronnie Lopez well, we have and Jelson Martins, and I send messages. Oh, sorry. <laughs> It is it is quite incredible that a team with such quality in it, it, three of the four at the back are pretty much the same that they were when they won the title uh, two, three years ago. It's it's really... The, the thing that's happened is Jardim, they had that electroshock reaction, which is another Frenchism for you that the French say, you know, you want the electric shock treatment. <laughs> we just do the pod in French next week. <laughs> electroshock. Uh, where you bring in a new manager... And you try and hope that there's just there's this automatic reaction from the players. And it happened. It worked. They went for a number of matches undefeated in the league under, under Jardim. Unfortunately, as also can happen in this situation, the problems that were there beforehand, the problems that were there for Jardim at the start of the season, the problems that Thierry Henry had to deal with, do seep back in. You have to be very careful to try and keep them under wraps. And Jardim hasn't been able to do so. The wheels have fallen off and they are in danger, but I still think they'll survive. Well, Dave, where did you think I was going? I, I thought interested. you were going to Nice relegating Monaco on the final day of the season. Ah, I see. I don't think a they'll pessimist. want to have to take anything out of that uh, last mm. or at least making them go into the promotion relegation playoff nice. on the last if day of the season. They'd absolutely love that, wouldn't they? That'd, That'd be an incredible be. story. If yeah. they don't get three points at home to Amiens, the chances are they're, they're in real trouble. It's, it's astonishing, absolutely astonishing. Two years ago, of course, they were champions. Um, in January, we all said, well, Monaco did what they, what they absolutely had to do. There was, you know, it was unthinkable that this club would be relegated. So they went back, they got the, the, the tried and tested Jardim. They gave him money to spend. They, well, necessarily give him money to spend, but they brought players in, uh, in, in January. And yet here they are, 33 points from 35 gaps. any of their summer signings really impressed over this season? Anyone? Alexander uh, Golovin, their most expensive, has Golovin's been, been poor. shocking. Mm, they've let players go. I'm just trying Fabregas, to Fabregas, Matt, to think. you've been impressed? Fabregas has been average, I'd say. He's mm. been average and he's currently injured. Um, they have had Martin had decent at the start. Injury nice goal at the weekend, but in between. He is uh, tailed off. Yeah. Horribly. And I had another, another mini good girl here as well. Why not? Because mine, mine's coming up. Is, is yours about Monaco as well? No. Well... Everyone criticising this Monaco side, saying, well, here is all the, the problems with their, their system, this buying and selling players. Everyone seems to have forgotten that it's exactly the same transfer system mm. that saw them win the league two yeah. years ago and make an awful lot of money in the process. Look, these are the risks you take. This time, it didn't work. There were poor and perhaps too many risks taken. But when you compare to how they've sold players over the, each of the last four or five years since they came back up, Look, that's the model that they're working on. That's the economic model. They buy, they sell. This time it didn't work. Two years ago, they won the league. I'd just also like to add, before we finish with Monaco quickly, 
Naldo managed to play a couple of games recently without picking up a red card. So Naldo did, but I also saw him miss an open goal uh, against Saint-Étienne. Uh, we've got so much to talk about and we are running out of time, so, so let's move on. I'll do a quick coup de gueule, just in case you're, you're, a, you're a new listener. Our coup de gueule is our, is our rant, because it's often me. I need to get something off my chest on a Monday morning. So here we go. Oh, merde! Quelle bande de chèvres! C'est mon coup de gueule. So one thing I, I've been looking to get off my chest for a long time is uh, the way that French people... Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry for our French listeners. We love but you. We love you. The way that you always say, on n'est pas un pays de foot, we're not a football country. Because you hear that a lot of the time. And there's a kind of negativity and an inferiority complex sometimes that has come about because in the last 20 years the best players the best French players all play for other clubs young kids are growing up wearing Barcelona and Chelsea shirts um, but listen my French friends mes amis you are a pays de foot this is a football country France in case you didn't know are the world champions France provide more top talent for for top clubs than any other. They've overtaken Brazil, possibly, depends how you measure it. But, you know, anyway, in Europe, France uh, provide more talent than any other country. You buy L'Equipe newspaper pretty much every day of the week. Football is on the front page. The first 10, 15 pages are football. You put the radio on, everybody's talking about football. So, you know, I understand there isn't the same culture as you have in Italy, for example, or in England. It's It's different. You don't necessarily all support your local team and it goes down generation after generation. But La France est un pays de foot. Are we allowed to rebound on, on a coup de girl or we yes, just have go, to accept Rob, quickly, it? Quickly, quickly, rebound. Very, very quickly. I, I, I agree, Matt, with what you're saying. I think the, the reason why they say that is is because they don't have that incredible effervescent passion where they lose their reason. It's not irrational in France. There's very little is irrational in France. And in, in French culture, it's a very sophisticated culture historically. And I think that in England, in Germany, in Italy, there's a certain irrationality that that goes with being a football fan. And that, I think, is absent here in France. Can you go again? I started watching Game of Thrones when you said Sipan Pédéfou. Yeah, well, my Ren fan, yeah, my Ren fan who switched over during the cup final, he, he would suggest... You see, but there, it, because it wasn't irrational. It was, there was no irrational thought that they could come back from 2-0 down, which in England... Or in Italy, you would you would stay uh, yeah, supporting because, your uh, team. You got, got to stick there with your team, haven't you? And mm. uh, much as uh, it, it's it's been well publicised on this podcast, I don't have a great love for Sunderland. I do admire how their supporters turn up every yeah. week to watch them play in the third division. And I'd say there have been more supporters at the Stadium of Light consistently this season than there were at the Parc des Princes last Saturday. That's what I try to explain to Florent. You can't, you know, you have to. He's getting it. You have to take in, guys. We got to move on to PSG. But you, you, you have to endure the difficult moments. You can't turn over because your team's two 0 down. Um, Parc des Princes on Saturday. PSG stuttering, and once again they fail to win. The visitors win Nice. Nice have an attack here with Ganago, and they have the lead too. And it's a cool, cool penalty from PSG's number ten. One all on the afternoon. It's Neymar's 50th goal for Paris Saint-Germain. So Cavani against Benitez, and Benitez saves! And Dante, the most relieved man in Paris. So 1-1 it finished, a penalty miss from Cavani at the end. Thomas Tuchel afterwards said that uh, at times it looked like his team were treating it like a, a friendly. Surely that isn't acceptable. Yes, PSG are, are champions, but you've got players here who are, who are playing... For their places, uh, uh, Robbie, who produces uh, this is Paris, and uh, let's say has a soft spot for PSG. Is that is that fair? Would you say it's unacceptable the way PSG are playing at the moment? I don't think it's unacceptable when you think that there's, they've got nothing left to play for this season. If the French Cup final was Pride, the last the game jersey? of the season, they've finished all their objectives. They're, they put, they're a team that are compiled, brought together to win the league to try and win the Champions League, to win the French Cups. When all of these competitions are finished, they've won the league by 19 points, let's not forget, with six games to spare. Look, it's, it's a subconscious thing. They're not, no longer on high alert. They're okay. no longer 100% most focused. People, Robbie, think, most people think that it's not acceptable to have players like that 
but playing, what, playing like, and it's they've not got nothing left to it's win. It's not Matt. just one game. It's not going to change where they finish in the league. They it's are not, first. It's not they change, are going to finish 40, first. They've got forty thousand supporters. They to don't re- have to, to win matches so that Monaco survived the drop or that Marseille finished fourth. Well, that's a, mm. that's a, that's another question. You know, you've got teams that are playing, picking up points against PSG now, points that they arguably wouldn't have got. Thomas Tuchel um, is staying on. We think Armel should he stay on given what is what is happening in the last couple of months. Briefly, before I get to Tuchel, I'd like to say that a draw between Nice and Paris Saint-Germain was probably a good result. Paris Saint-Germain can't finish a season. Nice can't finish a chance. So a draw seems like a good result. Anyway, And Atal Atal was incredible. Atal, what a player. Bernat, I think, is still trying to find him on the Parc des Princes pitch today. Um, But Thomas Tuchel, yes, should stay on. Um, I think I've been saying this in every podcast for the past three or four weeks that I've been in. I... I like the guy. I think everyone likes the guy. He's got issues at the club that I think everybody is aware of, but those issues need to be dealt with internally. It's an easy way of saying saying it, but uh, things need to be smoothened out at PSG so that Thomas Tuchel can, can do his job, basically. He's being put in difficult circumstances, but he's a top bloke, so yes. The rumours came out about a month ago that he had already signed, and he said in a press conference, I'm, unfortunately, I have nothing to announce to you at the moment. The club is waiting for the moment to, to, to make an announcement. So the coach, Thomas Tuchel, all but admitted that he had signed a new contract, that he will be staying. And I think that's the right decision. We've seen up until February that Paris were playing great football, that they were exciting, and that they, everyone believed that they had a team that might this might be the year to do it in the Champions League, which is why it hurts so much now that the, the wheels have fallen off. Just Dave, Tom, Thomas Tuchel has, uh, has hinted that there could be wholesale changes uh, in terms of the players in the summer. There are also rumours uh, uh, that have emerged from Le Parisien suggesting that the, uh, the Qatari owners are thinking about things a little bit as to whether they want to keep on investing in this football club. That was the question I had uh, from Lee on Twitter. At Lee G909, he says, are the rumours of PSG's funding uh, being pulled true? If so, what happens? Is it a slow decline? Dave, how do you read the, the current situation? I think everyone's curious to see what the Qataris will do after they host the World Cup. I can't see any major changes in their sporting strategy or in terms of their sports TV channels uh, until that World Cup has taken place. Uh, in terms of Tuchel, I expect him to be there next season. Uh, I understand why there's all this speculation about his future, given... Their abysmal current form. Um, I know these podcasts are here for cheap lines, so I thought I might provide one. I know there are a couple of sand pits at the Condologe where Paris Saint-Germain train, and the players do look like they've been spending too much time in there getting ready for the beach rather than, say, practising their penalties or how to defend. But here's... Really, you think they're making sandcastles? Yeah, I think they're making sandcastles, <laughs> generally. I, I think they spend a good three, four hours a day doing that. There's a big, there's a big concern for anyone, any player that might be thinking of joining Paris Saint-Germain this summer, as they would have seen this winter Paris Saint-Germain enter the Guinness Book of World Records by becoming the first team to go camel racing. Now, if the funding is cut, how are you going to take the squad camel racing? Well, if the funding is cut, how there are certain contracts that need to be honoured there, and for a lot of money, there's a certain Neymar that has a three-year contract, and there's Kylian Mbappe that has three years left as well. We, we were who, talking who about will, the important we'll pay things for first. All. Who will pay for all of this? They're also a team that have brought in big money for the league, for all the clubs, via the television rights, because Neymar and Killian and these sort of quality and calibre of players play here. What everyone says, Paris Saint-Germain and the Qatar investment has been a huge positive, a huge shot in the arm for French football. Hardly anybody was watching French football before the Qataris arrived what? and took over Paris Saint-Germain. Yes, and put them back on the European scene. So look, outside of France, I mean, hardly anyone was watching. Yes, not in France. Outside, watching, keeping an eye on French football mm. from outside, and that has changed. Look, the Qataris, as Dave said, they're not, they're not going anywhere before 2022, are they? Robbie had the uh, had the pleasure of commentating his second favourite team, Olympique de Marseille. Ha ha ha! Only a joke. <laughs> Marseille struggling, struggling badly. Let's see how they got on away to Strasbourg on Friday night. Balotelli, nice touch. Looking to get it back again. Oh, that's well played. Lovely run. The touch for Sakai. Lays it back. Germain shoots. It's a fantastic finish from Valère Germain. And now Jonas Martin to score his second this season against Marseille. 
from the penalty spot, saved the follow-up, and it's in the back of the net from Kenny Lala. Strasbourg won, Marseille won. Robbie, Marseille had to win really to have any chance of uh, of getting into the top four. They're seven points behind fourth place Saint-Étienne after that 1-1 draw at Strasbourg. And uh, they're another team that look like they want this season to end. They are. They're, they're in all sorts of trouble. But as we know, it's never easy to go to the Stade de la Meno. Strasbourg and their supporters are always right up for it. They didn't take the game as much to Marseille. I thought Marseille, in, in a game that never really hit the heights, that never really took off, that Marseille actually looked quite solid. The, the opening goal is superb. And hats off Mario Balotelli, who played a fantastic target man role twice in the, in the build-up to the goal that in the end was put away. Hiroki Sakai with the touchback for Valère Germain. Lovely finish. Then they were caught out in such simple fashion by a, a long ball. It was a fantastic pass, I think, from the outside of the foot from Fafana to release Ajork into the area. He got a very lovely touch. Adil Rami was a little bit unlucky, really. It was, it was such a fine line, his, his foul. But it was a foul. It was a penalty. Mondonda saved the penalty, saved the follow-up from Thomason before Kenny Lala who didn't take the penalty, strangely enough, even though he's a very accomplished penalty taker. He did put the ball away. It finished 1-1. Strasbourg, I think, will have some regrets the way they finished the match trying to win it in only the last 10, 15 minutes. And they had chances to do that. They brought on Lebo Motiba and, and they, they really could have gone after it. It didn't happen. Marseille, I think they can just about kiss Europe goodbye um, next season. And that is a big blow. We have obviously a lot of Marseille fans around the world. We've got a couple of questions that have come in. First from Cole Tajian from Armenia. Um, basically, my question is, what will it take to get OM back on track given the current situation? And uh, I also have a question from Chris Carpenter on, uh, on Twitter. And Chris says, uh, what is going to be the challenge? Is it going to be clearing out the Deadwood this summer or getting in? fresh talent. Dave, how, how do you uh, surmise the situation? I was going to answer Cole's question with reference to what Chris has just asked. Mm-hmm. I think the key for Marseille is getting their summer right and it does involve selling well, getting big wages off the books and then recruiting much more wisely than they did last summer. And Kevin Stroopman, he's the flop of the year. What, what a terrible sign! Surely Rudy Garcia with the quality players he has on this... On the, I was looking at their team sheet on the bench as well. They have a team that should yeah. not be that, sitting that down in sixth place. That's definitely true. But when you you need players who physically are up to it. And Luis Gustavo, mm. Adil Rami were terrific last season as they made it through to the Europa League final and just narrowly missed out on the Champions League qualif- qualification. This year, Rami's given away three of Marseille's 12 penalties that they've conceded. He's not been up to it. He's talked about this post-World Cup burnout. Luis mm. Gustavo has been in and out of the Did team, play playing the a bit Cup? better recently. <laughs> He's a lot of a fire extinguisher. That's enough to get a World Cup winner's medal, apparently. <laughs> Um, he's, like the, he's the only outfield player who didn't, didn't play, play that for didn't France feature. in the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So what if um, Aro, the president of Marseille, has talked about this being the end of the cycle. It, it is an end of a cycle, the first stage of this Champions project. And what they have to do, if you're talking about cost-cutting, now anytime you talk about cost-cutting, that worries fans. As a Marseille fan, if you talk to me about cost-cutting and it's getting the wages of Strootman, Payet and uh, Rami well, off Bal- the books, even Luis well, Gustavo's, then I think, well, as long as you replace them with the right sort of players, that could potentially be good cost-cutting and decent reinvestment. But if you sign players in the summer who have such a minimal impact, such as Strootman and Radonich and Shaleta Saar this season, then they're going to have another very bad year next year. Rudy Garcia is uh, is under huge tinker pressure. He's, a, he's the new tinker man, surely. Well, the, yeah. 40 different starting That's 11s right. in, in 43, 43 matches 43 this season. Games. He's never been able to find a first-choice eleven. And the fans want him out, and uh, and they have done for some time. I c- you can't speak for everybody, but there is a big feeling that uh, Garcia needs to go. Surely, Jose Mourinho, the man who has been hanging around uh, Liga and popping into to games at Lille, perfect for the Champions project. Armel. Uh, well, if you want to see a back six involving Ayman Abdenor to get his first appearance of the season, then yes, Jose Mourinho is probably the right man. I think Marseille, uh, more seriously, need to look at, well, getting a, a player in pretty much every line of the pitch. But I, I think they need to move on Stev Mondonda. He may be a hero. He may be their captain. But he's also a symbol of their current cycle. He's a man that left, came back in. He's still got that status. And granted, he saved World a penalty. 
and a, <laughs> and the the uh, second effort after the penalty this weekend. But he's been dodgy, and I think it's symbolic of the renewal that they need to replace Mondon. That's my personal opinion. Just uh, before we go, welcome back to FC Mets. They have won uh, the Ligue 2 title and the uh, side from uh, Lorraine. Do great quiches, by the way, in, uh, in Lorraine. They are back in the top tier. And uh, our final uh, word today is our, our, our journey across France. We're going to have a quick look ahead to next weekend. It's time for Bon Voyage. We've got some uh, big matches this weekend. Uh, the Olympico Marseille against Lyon. There's uh, a Brittany derby, Rennes against Gangon, uh, Nîmes against Monaco. We know how important that is for Monaco at the bottom. Saint-Étienne, uh, Montpellier. That's a huge game in the European battle. But uh, our man Robbie Thompson has got his eyes elsewhere. All right, well, I'm off to Normandy because I like the Stade Malherbe de Caen. I think they've got a great little stadium, the Michel Dornano. The fans are close. They've got good ultras behind the goal. There's a great atmosphere in that stadium. It's the home of Camembert. There are lots of cows up there. You eat well in, in Normandy. Um, look, for me, I want to see Caen stay in the top flight. I think they're an underrated club with a great youth academy. They've brought through a lot of quality players as well. Caen in Ligue 1. You guys can go wherever you please. Thomas Lemar and Golo Conte, uh, not necessarily trained. I think Lemar was trained at Caen. Uh, N'Golo Conte was bought. They very nearly, this is a little known fact, they very nearly got Kylian Mbappe. They they had the contract. They did. Everything yes. was was sorted. And then Kong got relegated. So the Mbappe family thought, well, we don't want, this was when he was 15. And he and, and, and he joined Monaco. That could have could have made things very different. Um, Dave, do you, uh, anything to add about this weekend? Yeah, let's not go to Normandy. Let's go to the south of France. The weather's probably not going to be very good either. Mm. Yeah. No, we'll go to the Olympico. We have to go to Marseille. Lyon, we have to see whether... Lyon can pick something up to try to hold off Saint-Étienne. And what are the Marseille fans going to do? Uh, are they going to call for the heads of Garcia, Aero? What are they going to say about Frank McCourt and the Champions Project? It'll be fascinating. Well, both clubs could be without coaches next season. And frankly, yeah. It's always more entertaining. You've got Sun, you've got Pastis, you've got Olives. And frankly, I prefer that to uh, Camembert. We'll go down to the beach. Well, I, can, the I can get there on Sunday from, from Conn Finishes. Saturday night, mm. and then uh, I'll have all day Sunday to mosey on down to the south. Some fantastic players being through both clubs. Ben Arthur, Sonny Anderson, Henri Bedimo. It's worth going down to the Velodrome. <laughs> Jeremy yeah. Morel. I yeah. think Marseille, yeah. Marseille. <laughs> Great call, Dave. Marseille and Leon have got some better past players than Hatton Ben Arthur, but Armo was still a good final contribution from you, and thank you for thank everything you. today. <laughs> thank, thank you so you, much. Robbie Thompson. Thank you, David Cross. And thank this you, has Matthew. been Le Beau Jeu podcast you can uh, find us you can rate us on uh, on itunes on spotify on all the main uh, platforms but rate is a bit nicer than they keep tend to rate players please be nice be nice because you know we're trying we're trying hard it's not easy out here in in paris it's not a paid um, foot here <laughs> thank you as well i've just wanted to say thank you to eleonora pasty who has provided us with chouquettes today which are a delicious little sugary kind of, I don't really know how to say it, little things you get from the boulangerie. Petisserie. Thank you, Eleonora, who is so much more than an assistant. We will be back next week. Goodbye from me, Matt Spiro, and all of the team here. A bientôt. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.